You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. First off, I just want to say a big shout out and thank you to all of those that are playing along with our proof of podcasts, what we're calling pop and pop stars. We will be rolling out last month's uh, NFT for those uh, that qualified. And of course, we'll have uh, more of those uh, opportunities to win over the rest of the month of April. And we're also finalizing some of that merchandise that if you have two of the month's pop stars where you listen to each uh, podcast episode and put in the correct answer, you're going to uh, be able to you know qualify for the, the merchandise to be able to send to your house. So we'll have all of that up there and live and uh, just really blown away. Thankful for everyone that have been uh, participating and kind of coming on that journey. And we're testing new ways uh, to use NFTs. And, and on this episode, I'm excited to have actually, I've been on his podcast and I've been on his stages uh, for many, many years, seven years. But I think this is the first time I get to have him on my podcast. So I get to, to flip the script a little bit. And so Michael Stelzner, who is uh, the founder of Social Media Examiner, which is also the, uh, the brainchild and the, the entire body of social media marketing world, which I feel like our listeners now, you're pretty familiar with that event because we've had a, uh, many, many episodes of talking about what we talked about, some of the feedback, and actually the episode a couple of days ago on some of the questions that I received from the audience in social media marketing world, which I teased out that Michael will be joining us. So Michael, thanks so much for uh, jumping on the podcast. Excited to have you. Uh, I love it. I, I'm super, I'm a, I'm a daily listener, believe it or not. And, uh, I just want to give kudos to you, Brian. I mean, you are in your element. I'm learning so much from you. So it's my pleasure to be here with you today. Well, thank you. And I will say, you know, I don't know, Michael, even you even know this story, but the way I actually discovered social media marketing world to attend the very first year was actually one your podcast was actually your podcast. And I remember it was actually an episode, I believe with Neil Schaefer, uh, okay. way back when, and you were kind of previewing uh, social media marketing world. And I was in the car with uh, my coworker at the time, which was Vincent Orlick, and we were driving into work and he was like, I'm going to pitch our boss about both of us coming to that event. And Little would I would I know that that you know listening to that podcast and how many years is, has social media uh, the social media marketing podcast been going? Uh, social media marketing podcast is coming up on ten years, uh, just a few months from now. Ten years. I mean, give us a little context on that. How how is the before we jump into the kind of the NFT crypto side? You know, from our audience perspective, a lot of people are like Brian. I can't believe you're doing a daily podcast, but the the a lot of what I've learned in podcasting came from your event and learning from so many other podcasters and 10 years running. There's not many podcasts out there that are 10 years running. I'll tell you what, man, it's been every week for 10 years and it's a labor of love. I couldn't do it daily like you do it. I don't know how you, I mean, I know how you do it. You have a team, but I have a team too. And, um, I just love it. I love finding great people. And I don't know how many times my guess is you've been on at least four times on my show. But I remember when I first discovered you, you were a live video guy, you know, and that was really what, what attracted me to you. But, you know, doing a podcast is an honor. 
when you have a very large audience, like I do on my show, eventually you realize you're making a big impact on people as you are, Brian, you know, like there's people, Brian, that are going to look back on this year journey that you're on that, that it was because of Brian that I bought a lazy line, which is true. You know, or it was because of Brian that I got into um, crypto chicks, which is true. Okay, <laughs> so you know, and 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 that's the kind of stuff I've heard over the years. It was because of you, Mike, that I was able to get a job. Um, it was because of you that I was able to get a raise. It was able. It was because of your guests that I was able to start my own agency. You know, so um, you know what it's like to have that audience that just loves your work. And and for folks like us, this is not work. This is fun. It, it is. It is fun, right? And it's probably like the most fun aspect, right? And, and it also gives us opportunity to catch up with people kind of along uh, the yeah. times in between events. And so you mentioned, you know, that podcast for 10 years. And now we're talking a, a new podcast. And I had the luxury and pleasure uh, to be one of those early guests. And I know a lot of our listeners have listened to it because I know a lot of people post about it in the Discord. But talk about, you know, from Social Media Examiner, the largest, if you look at anyone from an SEO perspective, you pretty much Google any topics around social media marketing. Uh, social Media Examiner's posts will come up there at the very, very top. And, you know, that's, you know, the, the king. And I will say, like, from the standpoint of the event as well as the, you know, the content platform, play. And now you have the new podcast and I'm seeing a lot of it. I love the email newsletter around it as well. Talk a little bit about that pivot and kind of how all that kind of came together. Okay. Well, I have to tell a story. Um, it was COVID and well, actually you were there March 1st, 2nd and 3rd at social media marketing world. Um, and the world was starting to close down and speakers like you were getting text cancellations from speaking gigs. And everybody was like, Whoa, this might be the last time we're going to be together in a while. And, um, during that whole period of time for about two years, I thought it was a three month thing. I'm like, okay, we'll survive. We'll come back in 2021, but we couldn't have our conference in 2021. So because we didn't have social media marketing world in 2021, which would have been our ninth year. And this year would have been our 10th year. I had a lot of free time and I reached out to our mutual friend, Joel Com. And I started saying, I, oh, and I, by the way, I was active on Clubhouse. You're going to notice Clubhouse <laughs> is one of those common themes, right? Right. So I got in the Clubhouse in December of um, 2020 in the midst of the lockdown. And while I was in there, I started noticing people like Fred Ursham, I think, who's the co-founder of Coinbase in there. And in the same room, I would see Grant Cardone, you know, and I'd see all these other people just listening to people talk about crypto. And I'm like, okay, maybe this stuff Joel's been talking about for years is legit. So in March of 2021, I bought my first little bit of Ethereum and I proceeded to invest a lot of my money into Ethereum and crypto. And you know how these things go in the beginning. It's like, all right, I believe that this is the future. I want to invest more and I want to invest more. So my first literally um, nine to 12 months was just investing in crypto. I saw Gary launch his VFriend. I didn't understand what it was. I'm like, what the heck are these drawings and why would I pay a half a ETH for it? Right now in hindsight, that was probably one of the stupidest decisions I ever made by ignoring that. Right. Um, but finally along the way, um, Omicron crept up its head. Omicron, you know, I first heard of Omicron in like October or November and I'm like, Oh no, Oh no. My <laughs> conference could be in real trouble. So all along, I had been talking to Joel and I said, Joel, I have this crazy idea. I want to start another podcast, but I wanted this crypto business podcast that I started in January of this year. I want it to be 
I want to help the world of business. I want to help creators, entrepreneurs, and marketers figure out how to employ NFTs, DAOs, social tokens, dot, 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 to be able to do things and the metaverse, because I feel like the future of business is locked up somehow in this blockchain thing. So he encouraged me to do it. And I'm all, I'm going to wait till August of 2022 because I need to get some stuff done. But then Omicron, this is the gift that Omicron gave me. It accelerated all my plans. <laughs> I had no plans to launch an NFT at social media marketing world. I had no launch plans to launch a, uh, a new uh, podcast in January before the conference, which is in March, but it accelerated because I'm like, uh Oh, I gotta, I gotta put pedal to the metal. And am I glad I did Brian, because I feel like I was right on schedule with this one. You, I mean, you were, you were without I, question. I was late. I was late in the social world when I started social media examiner in 2009. I know that sounds silly for some people, but I felt late. Now I feel right on schedule and uh, I'm very excited to see where this all goes. Well, I, I love, you know, first off, I have to say thank you for the first event pre COVID that it actually happened. Right. You know, and it was the event, you know, I was in one pre COVID pre COVID because, you know, we were, we talk about it a lot in our circle of like, if that event hadn't happened and we had, hadn't seen our friends for that long before. And it was, you know, and I did, I lost in one afternoon at your event. I think it was the last day I lost seven speaking gigs. Like, I mean, my phone just started and it was like, Oh my. And you know, and I ended up going to only one more conference before the world shut down. But I am extremely thankful that that event happened because there were so many, you know, darker low times in that year. And I can't even imagine if we had missed, you know, Ann Hanley and I had talked, you know, we're talking every week and like every week we would just reminisce on what we did in at social media marketing world that year. And like that just is a, you know, a wild approach. And, you know, Joel Kahn and I, you know, we've all been friends for uh, a long while and, and Joel's going to be on the podcast, uh, upcoming podcast. I'm actually on his podcast. I think we're recording it tomorrow. Um, but funny, I, I remember Joel, I actually was on a panel with Joel in 2018, uh, out in like Iowa or Kansas. And I was talking blockchain. He was talking crypto and I got up and shook his hand and I was like, I have no, I, I don't even want to know what you're doing in this space, Joel. And it seems like you have the bad crypto podcast, Joel, this seems like one of your ideas. Like you had like the fart app and like these like buttons that you sold. And I remember I like, I completely knocked what he was doing and, and I thought he was crazy. Yeah. I told him to sell when it hit 20,000, you know what I mean? I'm like, dude, get out, you know, but obviously he knew what he was doing. He stuck with it and he's, you know, been very successful. So, so something I want to tap into kind of like going back, you, you mentioned you felt late in 2009 and, you know, w- you know, one of my mentors, um, you know, who we ended up losing, uh, from a standpoint of social media today and kind of founding social media today, you guys both were kind of emerging onto, into the world kind of together and a lot of the things that were going on. What about that felt late to you? And then I'm curious just from like that experience, what about makes now feel more like a right on time? Okay. So in 2009, there was a lot of bloggers that were talking about, you know, social, um, hundreds, thousands. And I was one of the few that was doing multi-author blogs. Um, the gal that ran social media today, I'm spacing on her name was also earlier than me. Robin Carey. Yeah. Robin. I had met her, you know, before I started social media examiner and, um, she was the other one. Right. And, um, I felt a little late to the game only because I didn't know anything about social media, but what I did know was how to write and how to blog because I previously had written a book on writing and I understood how to build relationships and stuff. And, um, you know, I, I did feel late, but back then we were calling, so we were 
under the umbrella of social media with things like blogging, believe it or not, which is not social media, <laughs> uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. And that was it. And, you know, not even really YouTube was considered it. So eventually we realized blogging is not it. Then it was just Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. There was no TikTok back then. There was no Instagram back then. Um, you know, there was no Pinterest back then. There was no, there wasn't a lot of the things that are here now. But over time, I realized actually you're never late. You know, um, I could look at crypto right now and say I'm super late. But instead, what I say is, well, I'm only late if I'm a financial guy. And I'm only late if I'm a technical guy, because the one thing that you and I both know, Brian, is there's very few people in crypto podcasting that fall outside the umbrella of tech and finance other than you, me, and a handful of our friends. (laughs) Right. Right. And that's where we can be different, right? We can take our wisdom of knowing how to speak to people that are in the marketing and the business community, and we can help translate that. And I feel like very early now, um, because you know, we experienced a social media marketing world. People, nobody understands this stuff. I mean, like you're in the vast little tiny fraction of less than 1% of the normal world, let alone the marketing world that gets this stuff. Don't you agree? Without question. And, and I, and I just love, you know, cause like, and I will say, you know, I remember when, when you, when you interviewed me on the podcast and I immediately like I had asked the recording was, and I was like, Michael, I know you enough to know, like, you're not doing this without a plan. Right. And I was like, I was very, and you kind of, you shared to me um, some of the pieces, but I will say I was even more blown away how web three enabled the event was. And even those that I expected to be like naysayers were, were curious, but very like not only new, but like, blindly new right they're like wait are you doing that bitcoin thing with photos right and it was like a little bit of that but you know you're from the opening session which you know for those that haven't been to that event you know michael you always do kind of a a state of the industry right you get you know the amount of you know research and reports and and i've always loved that session you know i am not a morning person but i have not missed that session of the nine years i have not missed it as an attendee or a speaker because i also just love like the context of like, you know, kind of where the different pieces are. And you called out, you know, Facebook on this one very, uh, very boldly. And there was a couple of pieces there as well. But you've also, you know, the people that you've brought on the stage over the years have kind of been, you know, either emerging in a lot of areas or also like the the kings in the area, Zach King, we can say pun intended, uh, as well as, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk. And I know for a lot of people that are in this space, Gary Vaynerchuk came to life a year ago for many of them, right? Uh, for us, yeah, no, he's been around for a long time, right? And actually, we, you know, the, the podcast exists because Gary actually remembered, and it's the same year that Michael, you and I met, was 2013. And Gary actually remembered, kind of like shaking me and telling me I should go all in, but I shouldn't do it in like you know, in for brands. I should do it for myself. And I didn't listen to Gary then. And this time when he said it, I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to do it. Like I, I messed that up the first time, and we both kind of missed. V friends, even though we've known Gary in context, but I think that's also a testament to what both of us kind of look at things is that we're almost okay with missing things if we haven't done the research and position ourselves right. But if you hear us starting to implement, it's because we've done the research we've learned and we're willing to put the work in. I, I would say that's the case. And you went as far to not only you know have the new podcast, announce the new new event, but you also airdropped NFTs to the entire um, audience. And I have to give you kudos. The NFTs are top notch from the contract to the properties to the quality. And you even airdropped them into our wallet in a way that I hadn't seen uh, other events do. So talk a little bit about how that even came to life. And I'm guessing a short amount of time. Yeah. Um, 
Well, Joel was t- Joel Com, who is our closing keynote, told me you really need to do an NFT. So um, I had gotten a guy on my new crypto business podcast named Jillian Ginnis, too, who's the founder of the Unlock Protocol, unlock-protocol.com. It's a free um, protocol that does some magical stuff. So many of NFT projects right now are uh, very much tied to Discord. And what's cool about the Unlock Protocol is it it has a WordPress plugin that allows you to essentially connect your wallet, check to see if the NFT is in there, and then unlock access in WordPress blocks. Right. So right. Um, I started putting the dots together because I didn't want to just give out an NFT that was just a pretty piece of art. I wanted to give out an NFT that had utilitarian value because what I've learned from people like you and Joel is that you got to do something kind of exciting. But I also realized most of the audience had no clue this is going to be their very first NFT. So what I did at the very end of the conference is I got up and said, but wait, one more thing. I said, all of you have learned the value of Web3. Now we're going to put it to use. I'm very excited to announce our commemorative uh, Social Media Marketing World 2022 commemorative NFT, which is free for all of you uh, who have, you know, that are, that hold a certain level of tickets, all access or marketer, which is everybody with the speakers, staff, the whole thing. And I told them, all you got to do, I'm going to email you tonight at seven. You just click the button that says you're interested in the NFT that gets you on the interest list. So we had 1200 people that clicked that button. Wow. Then what we did was we emailed them on Saturday access to a course. And by the way, I I said, we're going to give you a course on how to do this. People erupted. Right. It was as if they had an Oprah moment. They were more excited about the course than they were the actual NFT. And I will attest to that because I remember I looked around. I was like, wow, they are really excited about this course. (laughs) And it was a very basic course, but we worked really hard behind the scenes to make sure that we knew full well that, you know, most of our audience is over the age of 35. They do not have a wallet. So we taught them how to set up a MetaMask. We decided to do it on the Polygon chain because gas fees are practically zero. So we had to teach them how to set up the Polygon mainnet on their MetaMask wallets. And then we had to, um, that was step one, right? And we had some videos that we found and we just tried to make it as brainless as possible. We had people in our company that were over 50, that were 20, that were 30. We had all sorts of different people go through it, just every conceivable question so we could make it as clear as possible. And the second part of the course was, um, and this has got a fascinating story at the end of it that I think will be instrumental for anybody who wants to launch an NFT. The second part of the course was basically getting their wallet and submitting it into our system, right? So we had a little form set up. We locked it all behind our reg system. So we, so there was no way anybody could share it. You know what I right. mean? They, they put their wallet address in there and then we tagged them inside of our drip email system. So we knew who got what, then we exported the entire list out and we went into the unlock protocol and we basically airdropped um, uh, everybody the thing. And then we emailed everybody after the airdrop was complete and said, go to the third part of the course. Right. And in the third part of the course, we taught them how to unhide right. in OpenSea because a lot of people don't realize this, but when you airdrop stuff and you're not really big, it gets hidden and nobody can see it. So of course, just so you know, oh my gosh, this was free, but we had so many customer support support inquiries like, Hey, what about this wallet? What about this wallet? What about this? I'm like, people were confused. They, they thought clicking the button was enough. I mean, we had hundreds of support inquiries that came in, Brian, and this is like the instructive lesson, no matter how hard you try, it's kind of going to be a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> That's, and I'll tell you, I had about 25 
people reach out to me and they're like, well, Brian, we, we saw what they're doing, but like, did I miss it? How do I, I get it? Right. And I, and I was laughing because I will say like, I loved that you did the course and I went through, you know, from the videos and like, for me, I wanted to see how that was walked through, but there's also a point of like people actually consuming that and then like kind of like, you know, implementing and let's face it. There's also, it is so nuanced in like what, the, like what a wallet is. And like, I feel like a lot of people, like they finally figured out they they could write, ask the right questions, but they didn't realize they could actually learn the right things like on there. So I'm glad you said that. Cause I love the process that you did and your emails were, you know, just for those that are out there, you're very educational, right? You were like, don't miss this. This is what you're going to get. And it walked you through. And like the next day was, you're only going to have one more day. Like you're going to have to go do this. Right. And I, and I think that even that, like, Hey, there is something kind of right behind it, but yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised at all that there was also a lot of, you know, uh, handholding that was required. So I didn't mention the utility. So on the, this beautiful graphic was a key. And I explained to everybody at social media marketing world that, that if you, even if you don't want this NFT, you should have this NFT is what I said. Just trust me, hold the NFT. And then I revealed on the next slide that we're launching the crypto business conference in October. Uh, we don't have the dates yet, but I told them if you hold this key, this is going to get you extreme discounts. And, you know, we haven't educated them on how to use the key yet, but basically the way it's going to work is they'll go to our sales page. They'll, connect their wallet. And then all of a sudden it will unlock the ability for them to get extreme discounts on the tickets. Um, and we're thinking eventually creatively, if we do this every year, if you hold multiple keys, maybe you can unlock different kinds of experiences. We haven't figured out all the details on how we're going to do it, but the good news is it cost us literally nothing to do this other than putting a few dollars with a Matic inside mm -hmm. of our wallet to pay the fees. You know what I mean? And of course the, the, the effort to train and educate our audience. And, you know, um, so yeah, we have like 800 of the 1100 people who did it. Um, I'm sorry, 686, 1200 click. I want to do it. 686 actually finished. Wow. The My goal was 50% because it's one thing to say, I want it. It's another thing to go through the course and do it. So we had almost 700 people actually complete it. And we know almost all of them, this was their first NFT. And I'm excited to just onboard them into that space. You know, I would have guessed, I would have said it's a success of 30%. Like that would, if I was going to just guess based on like what I've seen, especially from a standpoint of, and I'm curious, this part of, of the event, right? Like for a lot, I, like, I knew like for me, I get like kind of like the Brian's like the guy that's going to try everything new and you never know what I'm going to be talking about. Right. Like that's, yeah. that's kind of in my own like kind of brand, but you know, the, the conversation of NFTs metaverse, you know, Kathy Hackle, who is coming on the podcast as well, um, talked about, you know, she's the godmother of the metaverse and, and Joel, of course, the closing keynote about, you know, digital ownership and, and digital currency as well as NFTs. But I, like, I remember like after your first session, I was like, this will be interesting how the social media marketers and small business owners, which you, that audience is so very like dialed in, um, how they kind of accept it. And then also kind of like you were taking them on a journey, like a little bit at a time. Talk a little bit about what has been like the feedback from, I'm sure there's some people that are like, Michael, why is this even in social media marketing? And then there's probably other people like, thank you. Thank you for at least opening the doors. Talk a little bit about how that feedback's gone. Some people are like, I don't want to hear the word NFT again, <laughs> you know, like NFT, NFT, you know, what the heck stop, you know, but the vast majority of people were super thankful because they've been hearing about it everywhere. Like you can't not hear about NFTs. It's literally gone mainstream. And they were super thankful that they actually um, had a chance to like understand it now. And I've heard stories from people that finally 
once their MetaMask was set up, they figured out on their own how to get Ethereum into it. They've started collecting. Um, and I've started documenting some of my public experiences getting into World of Women Galaxy and uh, Lazy Lions. But here's how I describe to marketers and creators and entrepreneurs why this is so important. And I know you understand this, but it's really important for people to grasp this. Community is at the core of good NFT projects. No community, no success with your NFT project. This means many different things in the world of crypto. Um, the obvious thing is active Discord communities or active Twitter following, but it could even be active um, um, followers and fans on your YouTube channel, or it could be active Facebook group, or it could be active list of people that open every single one of your emails. Uh, some of the biggest projects in the world are successful because they've got ridiculously loyal community. So when you think about the Venn diagram of community and crypto, there's a pretty big overlap in the middle there. Every project that's successful has community behind it. It's it's they're just destined to die if there isn't like a group of individuals that are passionate about the project. That's why people like you and me, Brian, can be very successful in this world because, you know, I've interviewed a lot of different people. I interviewed the lead uh, moderator for the Constitution DAO and why that thing took off. Right. It was all right. about that community. You know what I mean? Like no community, no success. So while there's financial side of it and there's a technical side of it, you can have that. But if you don't have community, you're not going to be successful. Now on the flip side, social marketers, no community, like nobody. <laughs> so you start to think about how you could take your wisdom. And there's so many people that own agencies and consultancies that are moving in to the world of crypto because I see the world of crypto is going to need agencies and consultants big time. There are very few right now, but already there, this is a big opportunity to take the wisdom on how to develop super loyal platforms in clubhouse, in Twitter spaces. I mean, I mean, gosh, Brian, it's an obvious overlap to me. Isn't it obvious to you? Without question. And I was hoping like at the end of my session that like that, like the aha would be like, wait a second, we are already great at doing the core. Like now we can start thinking about how to implement it. And I, you know, especially like even your business, Michael, like I've always said, social media marketing world for me was like the minute I got off the plane into San Diego, I, I, I would say like, put my hands in there and say like, these are my people, right? It was always that it's been that feeling since I attended the first year as an attendee. I've got to speak, you know, every year since. And I think that essence of like, Hey, I'm surrounded by people that like, they get me, right? Like that was always what, like we could talk about TikTok before anyone else was talking about TikTok. We were talking about live video. I mean, Meerkat was, was out and Periscope dropped on day one of your event and Guy Kawasaki. Yeah, that was, I I remember Guy Kawasaki sitting in the lobby with like 20,000 people watching him. uh, And he's like, I'm getting ready to go to social media marketing world day one. And that dropped that morning. And I will say like, I was hoping for that excitement for this year, but I was a little hesitant because I, you know, even talking to our, our good friend, uh, Joe Polizzi, you know, from a standpoint of like, he had the coin talk and he was like, Brian, like, how is this going to go over? And I was like, I think if we can under, if we can focus on the utility and the use case, I think we're okay. I was like, if it comes across like crypto, like crypto bro or even like NFT, like, Hey, what's the money play in it? I think we're, we're going to kind of uh, go a different way. And I actually think that's part of the success. I mean, I think 
your session, even at the end when people cheered more to be educated on the NFT wallet process than the actual NFT, I think that's telling, right? I think that's telling for all those that are listening. And I think if you're thinking about bringing any of this to your audience, to your community, I mean, your community, I mean, you have a society, a massive Facebook page, a ridiculously large blog, the number one podcast on social media marketing. And you know, like each one of those can have NFTs deployed in ways that are I mean, my mind, I, I just I mean, don't, don't even get me started. I think that the use cases are, are wild. But I also think like that, just the fact that your audience was so excited to learn about the like, the process, that is, I think, telling of, of where we are in this kind of in this kind of whole rollout. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we really are early, but I would say things are moving very, very fast. And I think what, what I'm excited about, Brian, is some of the tools that are being developed that are going to make it a lot easier. You know, you've got obviously uh, rally, as you know, you're, you're on rally with your ADHD coin, uh, which makes it dirt simple for people to have their own social token. You've got the unlock protocol, which again is free, which allows people to essentially use the most common website in the world, which is WordPress used by like 40% of the world to take their content and lock it behind a, a paywall using their token to unlock it. And then you've got like some of these other tools that I'm going to be getting some of these people on my show. You know, I feel like the days are coming quite rapidly where this is going to, the on-ramp is going to get easier. And as the, and even OpenSea recently announced, if I'm not mistaken, that they're going to take credit cards to be able to buy NFTs. That's correct. So you're starting to see, and they're preparing for an IPO. So you're starting to see like these worlds are merging very, very rapidly. And there's a lot of big players that are coming and um, a lot of people that have a lot of influence. And um, it's not too late. It's not too early. I feel like it's perfect timing. And like, like you, man, I'll tell you what, it wasn't until I started buying NFTs that I understood NFTs, you know, like yeah. my very first one was Joe Polizzi's, you know, when I bought his never ending ticket to his event. Which I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, that's like the essence, right? I I do believe in this space more than anything else. That be that that you are you have to be the collector before you're the creator, but it, right. it gives you that aha, right? And I and I love that you know, and and Joe's you know he sponsored the podcast with the CEX event, and and I'll get to share now publicly for those that are listening. I'll be speaking there at the event. I was uh, a last minute add to the uh, the speaker roster and excited to to be there. And we'll put the link there uh, to that event as well in the the notes. We're gonna put the link to uh, you know crypto business uh, as well. And and Michael, I think that the, not only are we kind of figuring it out, but you know we're also you know, immersing ourselves and you have the podcast. I mean, you have a network that you can tap into. And I, I will also say thank you for connecting me with the unlock protocol people. Cause we've already been in conversations many times. We've, we've uh, have a zoom call set up as well to kind of go through some of the th- use cases that we're using it. But you also, you know, jumped over into NFTLA. You kind of drove up the the California yeah. coast there, and I was excited to hear. Like, I was excited to join you, and then unfortunately, uh, my wallet happened, and then uh, I had to uh, remove myself from uh, NFTLA. But I was excited for multiple reasons on you going there, and I was hoping to be there with you. But from a, you know, this feels very early social media events, like social media day events. Let's be very quick, like very clear, like those like yeah. pop up events, and then there was also like the diversity of people. Like I, I think I told you on your podcast, I was like, I've never been to an event in my entire life with more eclectic mix of human beings. It was, and so I'm, you know, take us a little bit. You, you were there at NFTLA. I wasn't able to be there. Give us a little bit of your takeaway of that event. Okay. Well, first of all, there's no obvious experts in the NFT world. It seems to me everybody has panels, right? Because, and that's not really a good experience for the 
for the attendees, to be honest with you, because, you know, it's great if you're a panelist or if you're a moderator, but it's not so great if you're an attendee because nobody really has figured this out yet um, and has really done a great job. So um, you don't go there so much to learn as much as you go to connect. And someone like you and me who loves to connect, that's where the magic sauce happens. So I just went out of my way to talk to people. I found some really fascinating stories. I found a guy that's doing a pizza dial. I don't know if you ever heard oh, of yeah. pizza dial. I did. Yeah. I actually got to discover that in November and I was confused what he, what he was even referring to. And it was like three months later before I wrapped my head around it. A bunch of pizzerias that are basically working together to start a DAO. And I'm getting him on my show. And I thought that was really fascinating. I met another guy that um, basically owns a winery up in Sonoma and um, was basically selling wine. That's high end wine. But he was holding it in. Um, he was custodian the wine. And basically that way the wine was like in their vaults, you know what I mean? Right. And people who would buy the NFT, you know, would either have to transfer the wine in escrow or whatever. So that was a fascinating use case. Um, I met like a 19 year old kid who successfully exited a business and was starting another business. You know, I met like um, some people from the lazy lion community, which is really amazing. Um, I met some, some folks that were starting a brand new project called um, bulls and apes, which I I'm excited about. I mean, like, I just, I just talked to a lot of people. I, I had two of my salespeople there and they were, you know, if you looked at the exhibitors and I don't know if this is what it was like in Miami, but you had metaverse people, you had technical, you, you had gaming. It was, it felt almost like Comic-Con a yep. little bit, you know, like I, there were people wandering around in masks, little masks, like they were, oh, yeah. they didn't want to dox our identity, you know? Um, it was just the most strange, unusual, I don't know how else to say it. Um, uh, experience, but if everybody I talked to, we all agreed it's the wild, wild west. Nobody knows why they're there. Nobody knows what they're doing. You know, you've got security experts that are looking for clients. You've got big businesses, you've got little businesses, everyone. Uh, the parties were amazing because it's LA, but man, I'll tell you, it felt like if you're not an extrovert and you don't know why you're there, it, you're going to struggle. Did you feel the same way in Miami? So it was interesting, you know, I, I was watching some of the feedback in LA and I, I was a little disappointed when I, I heard from just the, the uh, NFT LA team that it was mostly like sponsors that were going to get the, like the main stage. And I was like, how much of a pitch fest does that become where it's just talking about um, your product? And I had heard Mark Cuban at a different event and he spent an hour pitching his product, which I heard he spent an hour in LA and he spent an hour in Miami. Now I give him kudos. He did the same thing at podcast movement, which is where I first saw him do that. Yeah. Yeah. And he, I think he probably talked about three different projects. I think he talked fireside in LA and Miami. He talked about this like education DAO that he's a, a part of. Um, but you know, I'm curious, a couple of things, you know, from a, I mean, I felt like in the way that I was trying to relate it with people, I, I moderated a panel in Miami and the feedback I got was amazing in the sense that I kept reminding them like the bar was a little low. Like I am a professional moderator and I went out of my way and I had three great people that I knew I could kind of lean on. And you hear everybody say like, it's going to be conversational, but like I recapped everything, brought it back to the audience, then went back to the, and a lot well, of, that, that's the trick. When you have someone who knows what they're doing, it can be amazing like you. And so I'm curious from, so I'm, well, I appreciate that, but I'm curious from a standpoint of like, I mean, it reminded me a lot of the first time I ever heard YouTubers on speaking stages, people that I've looked up to my entire life and they yeah, were on like VidCon. Have you ever been yes, to VidCon? We were, I think we went to the VidCon together the very, I think we were both at the first yeah. year there because yeah. there was a lot of like amazing, talented creators, 
But if you give them a stage and they don't have like their normal setup, it feels out of place. And so then you put them on a panel and if the panel is not well moderated, it's going to be a really weirdly disconnected, oftentimes probably not even on the topic. How, how did you, how are you thinking about what that's going to mean for your event in October, bringing in some of those experts? Have you kind of wrapped your head around that? Well, here's the good news. Um, you know that I know how to put on events and you also know that I don't do panels anymore. Right. So I'm probably going to do everything in my power to not do panels, but I might have to do panels. It's very much um, dependent upon, you know, like, like you get the right person. Like Shelly Palmer was, I got a chance to meet him. He's really big in the tech world. Oh yeah. We became fast friends and he's great. You know what I mean? Like he knows what he's doing. Um, so some panels make sense and probably will be necessary. Um, because right now there's very few people have put a flag on the ground and say, all right, I'm a DAO expert or I am an NFT expert or I'm a metaverse expert. And if they have, they haven't yet created content, right? So right. there aren't a lot of YouTubers out there that are just specializing in this outside of finance, right? And outside of that space. So my guess is at least half of the sessions at the crypto business conference, which there isn't even a website for yet, um, are going to be, um, solo, solo slots. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, that's what I hope you'll do. I'm, you know, I'm going to recruit you guaranteed. And I think you could potentially teach multiple slots. Cause after listening to you every <laughs> single day, I'm like, man, holy cow, Brian is good. Thank but you. you know, I might rely on some of my friends to help put really careful panels together. You know, I want to do something very high end. I want it to be different than these cultural festivals because NFT NYC has like 1100 speakers. How the heck do you have 1100 speakers unless it's just a whole lot of not so good stuff? Well, and I will tell you, I was there the last NFT NYC and, you know, part of the beauty of the eclectic group is that you have such an amazing amount of randomly talented, amazing humans. Part of the chaos of an eclectic group is that you can sometimes put an eclectic group on a panel and it does, it'll epically fail or yeah. you don't, it, I, I actually feel there are some amazingly brilliant humans that are doing brilliant things here that relating that to an audience that they're unsure what everyone's baseline of knowledge is. Usually I feel like limits them. Like a couple of people I went up to in New York, I remember going like, I know what you know. Why did you give the like the presentation you gave? And I think part of that is like, hey, as a you know, as a speaker, I think that's a, a gap. And I also say like, I mean, I remember social media marketing world panels way back. I remember Google Plus panel that blew my mind. I remember sitting in the audience of that panel, and it was Dustin Stout. Dustin Stout, uh, who listens to the podcast and is in our our Discord as well. I remember yeah. being like, wow, Dustin really knows how to. To, to even if the moderator wasn't amazing, knew how to own his expertise in in that in his domain, and I feel like in New York there were there were, there were spots where that was the case, right? And and you know and Travis Wright, who actually is the co-host with Joel Com on on his podcast, you know he was the host and MC, and I was laughing because he came out and the entire place was like, this is a guy with energy, with like knows what he's doing, and I was like, yeah, it's because he that's what he does, right? And I think that that is a a mix, but I also say like. I mean, 1,100 speakers at uh, at NYC. I I feel like it's also like it's speakers talking to speakers because we get people there. And and that event. I mean, I walked the one day. I walked 12,000 steps before noon because is it in one venue. Or no, it it's like venue? if you like last year, it was on every corner of Times Square. So like, although they weren't like far, if you went from like Gary V's keynote to like the panel that I wanted, or the I wanted to see the the founder of Coinbase. I literally had a walk, you know, it was like 11 blocks, you know, in a 
10 minute in between oh, wow. session. Um, but I will say like the thing about New York and I, and I have to give credit um, to Miami. I feel like Miami pulled it together very last minute. So a lot of the people that were moderators and never moderated, but they got a lot of people that were on panels that were not just project founders, but rather those that had like some layer of either unique expertise or could tie something in across like multiple projects, right? Because I think that's the other piece where like someone only knows the thing they've deployed. It's very hard for them to have context, you know, kind of outside of that. Um, but it was, you know, it was difficult. Swan Sit, who uh, I know we, uh, we connected. I got a chance to meet. I got a chance to meet her. So she's oh, good. coming up on my show. So it's, I'm excited about that. And, and she had a solo slot at Miami, uh, at Miami NFT week and she did amazing she was she was really great she's kind of set the you know like kind of like the bar on what all these things kind of play together and why businesses should matter but yeah that's an interesting you know take and you know la parties of course were great i'm curious the other last thing i wanted to tap in on the nft la side was you know you mentioned the the bulls and apes project right and i will i will say as soon as you mentioned it to me you you had sent it we have a little uh, kind of alpha chat um that we are a part of you know i went and looked at the project and i was like I like it. I, I like, there's a lot of things to like. And then I will tell you in the last five days, I've been, I mean, the p- amount of people that are hitting me up, they're like, Hey, we're bulls and apes projects is coming out doing this. And, there, and there's it's some, it's nice to see like when a project is kind of coming to life, how others are talking about it. And, and I mean, uh, one of my favorite projects, uh, my favorite, actually probably my favorite lab of projects is the chibi labs. And they have a, a three different uh, projects. They're doing a collaboration with bulls and apes and they kind of put it on their discord I'm curious, just put it from a, from an audience perspective, you know, from a demographic, you know, there's, you know, different audiences and different people in this, in this space, there's different age groups as well. And I feel like finding projects that can relate across the gamut is sometimes a struggle. It's why I actually recommended lazy lions, um, you know, out of the start is that I think they've done an amazing job of having a wide breadth, probably all five generations from baby boomers to Gen Z in there, but not all projects are doing that. When you kind of discovered Bulls and Apes, what about that project kind of jumped out at you? Because I know we're, we're going to you know, include in our project here. Well, a bunch of the Lazy Lion community is already working with the Bulls and Apes community. So that's the way I met like five guys from the Lazy Lion community um, and they introduced me. And But the Bulls and Apes, they were sponsors and I saw their stuff all over the place and I was ignoring it. But when I actually sat down with two of the founders for hours, because I had nothing better to do because going to sessions wasn't going to be really instrumental. First of all, they're doxxed. Yep. They're all public. Secondly, they're given a money back guarantee, which I've never seen happen before. So after day 30, between day 30 and six months in the contract, if you don't tokenize your bulls, you know, they've got tokens you can earn. Right. So if you just, just, and you don't transfer them from your wallet and the project tanks, you click a button and you get all your ETH back and they take it back. I'd never seen something like that before. I felt like that was like a, what have I got to lose kind of a situation. Plus the guys that founded it have mobile game experience. So they're doing really cool stuff with game, game, gamification. Um, I just connected with these guys. They're trying to create in this case, almost like a, a guy's club. Okay. So, so, you know, um, but they're also creating like a business club, not just for guys, you know, but, um, the guy that's the founder of it owns eight um, uh, board apes, you know, so he's invested over a million dollars. I, I, I checked it out. Mm. I made sure he's legit. I see how much he paid for these things. He owns like 20 lions. I mean, the guy successfully exited. I did a lot of research on this guy. Um, 
And the fact is that they are not touching that ETH for the first six months. So they're, they're venture backed. They got everything in place. Their artwork is spectacular. Um, that's why I'm getting them on my show. Um, and that's coming out next. Well, it's coming out on April 15th, depending on when this launches. And I'm going to be interviewing them because I've never had a chance to be at the front of a project that seems to have legs like this. And, and I'm going to interview them, you know, before they launch, because I want to know, like, why did you do this? And why are you doing this? And what's your thoughts here? Cause like you hear about, and who knows if they're going to be successful in the grand right. scheme of things, nobody knows. But, um, but I thought, saw it as a great opportunity to potentially be at the front end of something that I missed before with some of these other projects, you know what I mean? And the fact that I became friends with these guys um, and, and that they're willing to come on my show. Um, I just don't know. I, I look at it as a strategic opportunity for me to potentially, um, uh, you know, open doors and other projects and get some of those other people eventually on my stage. So I see it as a key strategic opportunity to really just understand a project that I'm confident will sell out before the public mint. You know how these things work, yep. right? Yep. You, know, you get on the whitelist and you're lucky. Um, but I don't know in the end what's going to happen. I'm just as skeptical as anybody else with any other investment. But um, I just think it could be something. Um, it feels like it's a team that is smart. They don't need the money. Right. They're all independently wealthy. They're doing this because they're building something bigger. And this is what this is what some of the most successful NFT launches have behind them. That This is the beginning of a business. This is, this is a way of raising funds for a business. This is not just art. You know what I mean? So what they're building is something much bigger. And if you believe in some of these projects like lazy lions and what they're going to be doing with the launching of the cubs and all this kind of stuff, um, you know, they're building something bigger as well. Same thing with world of women. I feel very strong that world of women is going to be one of the next big, huge projects, just like board eight, because they've got a plan and, you know, how cool is it to be able to say that you got a chance to invest in something that could be really big someday, yep. something you could turn around and sell at a gain. That's how I look at these things. And that's why I'm excited about NFTs, because these are alternative ways of launching businesses. That's really what they are. Now, I will tell you, you know, when you first mentioned it to me and about like the money back guarantee, I've seen other projects do that. But the mechanics were so broken that I was almost laughing, like, I can't trust you to do that. Like, who? how will I trust that? And the more I dove in, and I think you, you hit on it really hard. I, I was mentioning this uh, on stage in Miami at, the, at one of the other events I spoke at, was I now am looking for the difference between someone that's treating it as a project, which whoever named these projects is <laughs> someone we brought, or they have a business plan, right? I mean, I, I want to see a business plan. And a business plan, not only from a standpoint of, you know, how you're bringing things to life, but, you know, all of the, the steps. And I will say they have the Bulls and Ace project will be one, you know, we'll include a link here, but it'll definitely be one that we're going to include in our, our project. But I think something else that I was really impressed was it does feel like a business plan. And I think we are seeing projects now that it's no longer just okay. You know, last summer you could sneeze and put a website up and, and your project would sell out and then you have to figure it out, right? We know the, we, we know that the funnels or the, this whole ecosystem is a little upside down. But I did, I, the more I researched, the more I appreciated that. And I also knew that like you were asking a lot of the questions from your side before like, okay, like why are you doing that? How is that making, uh, you know, kind of bringing to life? And uh, you know, I'm curious, you know, for, I, as we kind of like think about this and I think about like the future of NFTs, you think about the future of crypto, when you were even like kind of naming, you know, crypto business as your podcast, as well as the event, what were your thoughts kind of like in the name structure? Because I think for a lot of people, you know, I've, I've even had this in the podcast. Like, Brian, I didn't realize 
that you were also covering these other things. I just thought you were talking about the pictures or the art, right? And and then the, the crypto side, there's also like the, wait a second, are, does that include metaverse and NFTs? Can you talk a little bit about that framing? Because I think that would help the audience as well. Why I named my show Crypto Business yeah. in particular? Yep. Yeah. Well, first of all, the word crypto is widely understood um, more than for sure NFTs. And um, today, again, we're early, right? But when we think about business and we think about crypto, the obvious thing is receiving crypto as a form of payment, right? Um, I'm not really covering that, but eventually I could cover that. But there's also the obvious, the NFT side of things, which is, you know, essentially monetizing your audience with digital collectibles, launching new products, the DAO side of it, which is really fascinating to me because uh, decentralized autonomous organizations, you know, big deal creative way of like having community owned businesses, uh, the metaverse web three, all these kind of things. I just wanted to try to find a word that was, was not going to go away. There's no question the word crypto is going to stay here for a while. Right. Um, I didn't want, and I wanted to use the word business and luckily I was able to get a whole bunch of domains, you know, <laughs> crypto business, yep. um, all sorts of different ones, you know what I mean? But, but I decided I was going to go with the word crypto and knowing full well that I was going to attract potentially the people that are interested in the finance side of it. But the moment they listen to my podcast is the moment they realize it's not really the finance side of it, but it kind of is right. Because social tokens, right. Yep. Um, is financial. Right. So I just wanted to pick an umbrella word and, you know, I knew that I might spin off a conference. I was going to call it crypto business world until I realized there's a website called crypto business world. That's been around since 2017. Wow. So then I'm like, okay, crypto business conference. Cause anybody who knows my story, social media marketing podcast, social media marketing world, nine months later, uh, crypto business, podcast, <laughs> crypto business conference, you know, uh, crypto business, other things, maybe who knows, we'll see how it goes, you know? Um, but really what I'm doing is I'm experimenting. I'm feeling very strongly that this is going to be the future. Um, and if it's not, then it's not, but I can't imagine. I mean, my gosh, Brian, I've never seen momentum like this. This is much faster than social ever grew. Don't you agree? Couldn't agree more. And I couldn't agree more from the use cases and how the use cases come to life in this space is at a rapid pace where you can see one. I mean, I was meeting with a, a VC in, in Miami and we were out to dinner and I was explaining the use cases from like what my point of view. And he fired back three use cases that I was like, oh, you're already aware of those? And he's like, yeah, they came to life like in the last month. And I, I felt like that was exciting because I think on the social media side, it was oftentimes like convincing from the outside, like here's a use case and here's why you need to be there. And it can't be um, you know, just for that. And I, actually, that's the question, that last question I kind of wanted to ask you you know, you've, you've had the opportunity to be, you know, kind of the giant in a space that was very disruptive and transformative, but also a space that, you know, kind of emerged for a lot of people and kind of took over. But then for a lot of others, they spent maybe seven years with their head in the sand saying, when is this passing fad of social media going to go away? And then eventually had to like give in that it's not a passing fad. I'm afraid we also are going to have that here in this space. So I'm curious, what are some of the things that we can take away from those days of social media to help us kind of shorten that or maybe prevent, not prevent, mitigate a little bit of that, like those laggers that really are going just try their hardest not to adapt. Like what's your take that, because I think for a lot of us, we want to learn from what social media adoption had and how that works here. There are always, there's still people that are not on social. You still got your neighborhood um, auto mechanic shop that maybe doesn't have a Twitter or Facebook page or whatever. 
there's always going to be people that are going to use fiat money and not be into these kinds of things. Instead of trying to bring the whole world into it, I'll let somebody else do that, right? I'll let your bank do that. I'll let your PayPal's do that. I'll let, you know, all the other institutions of the world help people see the value of that. I want to look at the opportunity. I want to say to myself, I, as a guy that's over 50, lived through the emergence of the internet. I remember what it was like before there was an internet. I saw how the internet made it so that we as marketers no longer needed newspapers, radio and television and, and mailbox advertising. Um, and, you know, again, saw it again with social. I saw how social media in particular made it so you don't have to use Google search ever again. Right. And um, so I, having been through, you know, web one and web two, and now the emergence of web three, I think it's us gray hairs who um, understand we don't want to miss the next one. So I want everyone to think of this as an opportunity. This is your opportunity to reinvent yourself. This is your opportunity to get in on a next something that is unquestionably going to go somewhere. And yes, you're going to make mistakes along the way, but that's how you learn, right? So start following people, start listening more to people like Brian, hopefully also my show and just learn immerse yourself into it. I listen to podcasts about this almost every day. And this is almost all I listen to now, Brian, because I, we have the wisdom of experience. We've seen this rodeo before. We know that this thing that we're talking about could make social me small. This is so much bigger than social. Right. You know, we're going to look back and remember how everything, remember everything was social. Yeah. Oh, this is now going to be like so much bigger. And I really encourage people to listen to episode nine of my crypto business podcast. I interviewed a guy named Josh Rosenthal. He's a historian from the Renaissance era. And he talk, talked about how when the um, people were peasants living on farms for generations, they knew no better. But it was when the ledger was introduced and it was widely adopted where people could all of a sudden document in a line, you owe this guy this much corn, you know, and all of a sudden people started exchanging, um, you know, and lending and, and business started blowing up. And then the Gutenberg press was invented. And all of a sudden people that couldn't read, they were printing out literally images and they were using images like what we now call memes, right. To right. communicate with each other. And it was the Gutenberg press and the ledger that blew up commerce. And we had the emergence of the most flourishing business in the world. This guy, Rosh, uh, 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 Josh Rosenthal said, we are literally in the, in the midst of a brand new Renaissance that involves art and it involves commerce and it involves web three stuff, which is really going to be the communication layer. And it's magical. When you hear what he says, your eyes will be open. We are literally at a historical moment that he said, this Renaissance is going to be what generations are going to be talking about. Not the Renaissance that we think of today as the medieval era. And when you begin to wrap your brain around that, you're like, whoa, okay, I need to wake up and pay attention. So I just want to leave that. I mean, I know that was a little bit of a rant. No, I, I love it. I got to see Josh in person at Miami and he it was amazing. I literally like walking by and I heard, I started to listen the very opening and I just sat through the entire session, which was maybe one of the only sessions I actually sat through. So I love that we're going to put the link up there for episode nine. And I will also just say, you know, for our listeners, you know, Michael, thank you for coming on, on the podcast. You know, thank you for having me on your podcast as well. I think the other part of this from a lesson from my standpoint is, you know, collaboration and co-creation 
can flourish in this world. And in the social media space, it took way too long for leaders, brands, businesses, conferences to recognize that. And we are practicing it right now, right? We are helping exchange gifts. gifts, You know, I'm listening to your podcast. I'm like, can I get that guest? You're like, hey, can we introduce this part? Because we also see that we can all together kind of like that rising tide lifts all ships and, and we're, we're practicing it, right? We are literally sharing each other's episodes, connecting a lot of those dots. And I think that to me is probably one of the most exciting things that this whole Web3 uh, world enables. So Michael, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Brian, it's been my absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for allowing me to chat with you. It's really awesome. And for those listening, you know, the, the thing that I just want to, you know, when Michael talked about the fact that, you know, the, the aha of being a creator or being a collector, how that kind of unlocked things. And then in, in a few short months, dropped one to the largest social media marketing event in the world with the idea that, hey, I'm going to help educate and bring this to life. That's the world and opportunity that we are at right now. And I think the most beautiful part about it is you, you have to be in it to have that, that aha moment. But once you have that aha moment, it really unlocks you know an infinity amount of opportunities. So thank you, Michael. Make sure you guys check out his podcast as well as some of the notes, uh, uh, some of the notes uh, down in the uh, show notes there. And uh, as always, uh, we will see you tomorrow. So until tomorrow, make it a great day. Cheers.